Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, a.k.a. Possibility Man. We are committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Today, our guest is Julie Perez. She is a neurochange practitioner and a transformational coach. She helps people examine their mindsets and align them with their values to produce happier, healthier lives at home, work, and play. Julie, welcome to the show today. Thank you. Thank you, Stefan. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to be at your podcast and um, share my knowledge and just share how I can help uh, the others. It's really a pleasure to be at your podcast. Thank you. It's one of my privilege, privileges, to tell you the truth. I talk with people from around the world, literally. In fact, I'm curious, and I'm sure others would be curious, what part of the planet are you in now? So I'm in New Zealand. So originally, because people might wonder about my accent, so originally I'm from Czech Republic, but I've been living in New Zealand for the last uh, 60 years. Okay, that's fantastic. I've never been to New Zealand, but Australia, New Zealand, neighboring countries are on my list to go. So So, so, um, what was your previous profession before you got into what you're doing now? Uh, I would say I was lost for 20 years. And I was working in admin accounts. Deep down, I knew it's not for me, but I didn't believe I can do something else. Uh It was just the values that have been projected onto me that that's the only thing I can do. And I tried hard for 20 years to prove myself to be a good accountant. And I was a horrible accountant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I wasn't good. So basically, that's what I did. I was working in corporate environments, nine to five, doing accounts and administration for 20 years. Okay. All right. But then you looked, when you made this trans- transition, you might have peaked in some other areas, but ultimately you settled on neurochange or the neurosciences and transformation. What made you look in that direction? Neuroscience, neurochange, and transformation. Why this area? Yeah, that's a good question. So I got very sick. Mm. For basically, since my daughter was born, I got really, really sick. And my desire was to heal myself. And somehow, I don't know how, when I was working in the corporate, I I had a picture that I'm healing people, that I'm having my practice and I heal people. And I was always interested in psychology. And then basically, just kind of, you know, when I decided, when COVID strike, I decided, okay, I'm not going back this opportunity for me just to go ahead and do. And I had no idea what I'm going to do, what I was doing. And just taking one step, one step after the other, doing some personal development first, and then just stumbling across neuroscience, neuroplasticity, and brain, and it's just like my passion. That's uh-huh. how I, I see. Yeah. So let's. Yeah, so, so the people people will want, will want to know. So I want to get clear on the terms. When you refer to neurochange practitioner, what does that mean? And what does that involve? So basically the neurochange practitioner, so the course and the accreditation that I get, I got, that's based on the, last, on the latest researches in mind and brain science, neuroscience, mm-hmm. social psychology, sociology. And we've, been, we've basically been lectured by the professors of American universities on psychology, on neuroscience. So this is why it's neurochange method because it involves neuroplasticity of your brain. It's basically learning about how your brain is changing through the neuroplasticity mm-hmm. and how to use emotional intelligence as well, yeah. to master the emotional intelligence. So that's all 
because neuroplasticity is basically reprogramming your central nervous system. This is what it is about. That's what subconscious mind is. Okay, we'll get deeper into this as we continue our conversation. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to ask, what does transformational coach mean? And, and is this different from, let's say, life coach? I would say yes, it is different because there is a lot of coaches and uh, there is you know, no right or wrong way, sure. no, no one is good or bad, but transformational coaching starts with emotional intelligence. And there is a lot of coaches who don't understand emotions. No. And I do believe if you don't go deep enough yourself, you can't coach your client. Like my first coach that I had, <laughs> she was saying, if you feel unpleasant emotions, just go to sleep. And that's the worst thing you can do <laughs> because you basically your emotions trying to talk to you something and you just go and sleep. So they don't go away, they just stay. So the transformation starts from understanding emotions and what messages they are trying to tell you. It all yeah. starts from emotional intelligence. So that's right. why just the strategies and the mindset, it's all good, but the emotional intelligence is the biggest part in all it. Right. I got you. All right. So now I, I want to make a global sweep. I know that when we, when we talk about healing, either emotionally or physically, that we're looking at, you know, mind, body and spirit. So can you just kind of take us through just briefly this nexus of mind, body and spirit? Then I would like to segregate them and kind of look at one area at a time. Yeah. So everything basically starts with the thought, you know, we think a thought then uh, our brain sees the thought, it produces the chemical, which is the emotion, and that emotion travels through the autonomic nervous system to your body. So this is the mind, uh, body, and spirit. So, and the brain as well. So the brain, basically we're using our mind, our mind is using the brain to ger generate the molecules of emotions to override the system. Mm -hmm. And that's when you, for example, uh, just think, positive thoughts like you have a lot of positive people and positive coaches just think positively and everything's going to be fine and that's where the, it's it's a trap here because if you're going to think positive thought like everything is good everything is rosy you just think positively but your brain is always communicating and checking with your body so brain is going to check with the body and your heart is going to send incoherent messages saying like oh no you know, it's not fine. I feel fear. I'm feeling unworthy. I'm feeling um, scared, disappointed. Then that positive thought is just not going to make its way to the brain stem, to mm. central nervous system. And everything in your neurobiology, neurocircuitry, neurochemistry, hormone level stays the same. So basically nothing is changing. Uh -huh. So positive thought is just futile without the elevated emotions, without opening your heart. Uh-huh, I see. So let's look at, I want to look at uh, emotional health or mental health for just a moment. Um, as, you, as you work in the world and work with clients, either privately or in industry, would you say that emotional well-being or mental health is a big problem that you see in the world and in your practice? Yeah, a lot. Uh, people, I work a lot with people in leadership positions, mm -hmm. and what I stumble across, it's 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 kind of, it's the same recurring pro problem. So the global pandemic, you know, I mean, we get we have COVID. I don't call it global pandemic. The global pandemic for me, in my experience working in science, is I am not enough, mm -hmm. and everyone is experienced that. And then on the top of it is just. 
I don't have time. So it's like, you know, I'm waking up in the morning and what can I do not to start to think straight away about the angry boss, the demanding boss, the challenging children. Because of usually what I find people when they wake up, they activate the same neural circuits in their brain. So they're not present. They straight away start to think about the past, you know, about angry boss and what this angry boss is going to do at work, about challenging children and how it's going to go today. So basically they're connecting to these emotions of the past and they're making the decisions based on that emotions on the past. So they are never in the present. Uh, and that, the, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, that, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I find that very interesting, you know, because you work with professionals, you work with, you know, housewives, you work with general laborers. And what you just said was that a lot of people face, let's call it this thought, that I am not enough. So I don't want to put words in your mouth. So I want to ask the question, do you find that, you know, even college educated individuals or professionals may also be stricken with this thought, I'm not enough? Yeah, it's going to be hidden somewhere, but somewhere is just like, it, 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 it's hidden. They're going to, you have people, you know, I've been working with people that earn a lot of money and achieved a lot in career but there is going to be still rooted thought somewhere yeah. i am not enough and then whatever they want either it's a relationship or their career or their health it's not going to manifest because there is this emotion that is blocking it i'm not enough because if you can't express yourself fully speaking uh -huh. your truth you basically can't live to your full potential you are not using uh, potential in your brain but basically what, what happens on the brain level if we have this unpleasant emotions so it shuts down our prefrontal cortex which is 40 percent and that's our creative brain that's our uh, intellect and it just opens the amygdala which is fight or flight and mm -hmm. then we just yeah, just getting stuck you know i want to fix that but i can't i feel helplessness i'm not worthy i want to fix it i can't i want to fix it i can't and we just try harder and harder instead of looking where is it coming from? Because usually it all links, I'm not enough. Yeah. You know, some people have trouble understanding that a person could be, and maybe this group doesn't fit into this category, but a person could be, let's say, a judge, you know, in any country in the world, or a person could be a successful business person. But from what you've said is that that individual may still be stricken with this thought, I'm not enough. Is that about right? Yeah, so it's basically, you know, there is a lot of, if you look at the successful people, people fall, majority of people fall in that society trap of success. You know, I need to get something over there that will make me feel happy. Oh. And they just run after things because they think that that emptiness that they have inside is that that thing outside, whatever they want, bigger salary, bigger title, uh, whatever it is, yeah. that is going to make them feel happier. And it never happens. So that's basically on the road all the time, getting more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. And that's going back to feeling of emptiness. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not enough. I'm comparing myself to someone because I perceive that they have something that I don't. Mm -hmm. Which in reality, like we all have everything that we need inside mm -hmm. of us. We are just not aware of it. And it goes to the childhood, childhood beliefs. And as a children, we create story in a different way because children perceive world very different to adults. So even if they have nice parents, like a little silly event can happen and they're going to create in their brain something completely different. Right. Like I, 
that's that it's like some incredible stories like from childhood what people create yeah. and then when that, they bring yeah they're just like oh wow <laughs> you know? yeah. i find that fascinating you know and i i see that i guess among the top three riches men in the world you know the, the billionaires multi-millionaires the billionaires these guys are fighting for the great number one slot i think we've had a change recently so even at that level people could be looking oh, yeah. for more yeah they're looking for more or they are, you know, there is like, there is fear of losing. So some billionaires are going to have billions and billions of dollars, but they are not going to enjoy them because there is going to be fear of losing. Right. And then again, that fear of losing is coming because somewhere they feel empty. Somewhere, mm -hmm. somewhere there's going to be this energy of emptiness. And usually it all ties somewhere, somehow, like I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not thin enough, I'm not intelligent enough, I'm not worthy enough. It's absolutely silly, like uh, the human psyche, like what it, like I had all of it as well. <laughs> I wasn't enough, I had to work, I have to go deep and work on it. And uh, yeah. yeah. So you mentioned fight or flight, and many of us have heard of that, but I'm not sure, you know, how many of us understand what that means. <laughs> Can you help us understand what do you mean by flight or uh, fight or flight, and how does that show up in a person's life and the repercussions of that? Yeah, I think the easiest way it would be like so this it it, it triggers the stress, and so what is the stress? Stress is like <clears throat> if you can't predict the outcome of your future, you can't predict it. You are feeling that you are losing control. Mm try to control things on the outside not understanding that everything is reflected from the inside so you activate this primitive uh, sympathetic nervous system which is fight or flight and that system in the brain basically it doesn't understand it just understand it's like animalistic you know if you need mm -hmm. to run from predator so your brain is going to send to the body hormones of cortisol and adrenaline for you to prepare body to run and fight that's how primitive it is but in today's days, I mean, you run from your workload and you can't run from your workload. You may run from your husband and you can't really. You may run from your chores you have to do at home and you can't. And it puts you on this fight or flight, run, fight and hide. So basically you shut down your neocortex. That's your executive brain, your thinking brain. And you activate just this. Your brain just wants you to really fight run and hide that's all it does so you don't think you narrow your focus how much time i have to do that and then you run out of time because you focus just on time how much money i have and then you run out of money because we, you perceive there is never enough because your neocortex is shut down your heart is shut down basically when you open your heart that's this elevated emotions of gratitude of joy inspiration empowerment it's been actually studies has been done and they took a group of 10 people and they just put them together and I just told them, okay, now you sit here for 10 minutes and you practice elevated emotions of the heart for 10 minutes, which is joy, inspiration, fulfillment, presence, uh, gratitude. And so these people have been practicing that and they've been taking this brain scan. Mm -hmm. And after on the brain scan, it has been shown that fight and flight, this amygdala primitive brain that makes you only fight, fly, fight, run and hide, it's been shut down and your neocortex has been open. So that means the right side of the brain starts to communicate with the left side of the brain. So all your intellect and knowledge now is coming together and you start to get insights, you start to get inspirational thoughts and there is no fear. 
because only yeah. emotion of love can override the fear. So then you go and you do things. You're not you're not scared to fail. You know, it's it's a belief. You it's a belief that everything is available to you. So mm -hmm. if one door is going to shut, the other one is going to open yeah. because you have emotional strengths how to deal with things even when they don't go your way. Okay, so I'm, get, I'm gathering that this is both fight, flight or fight, fight or flight, for example, uh, again, is, is emotional and it's also physical or biological. Here's an yeah. example I want you to evaluate for me. I grew up in the country and I can distinctly remember, distinctly remember walking down the road and would see something in the road, could be some sticks or a rope or whatever. And there was a body feeling that it was a snake and I felt it physically. And I felt it emotionally. Is that about what you're talking about? That I'm yeah, that, that's that, that's that's exactly that's exactly that. So you know, in your brain, basically, you activate the neurocircuitry from the past. You read somewhere snakes are bad. It's danger, yeah. and it's right away. You you think the thought, the brain checks its body. Our body feels fear. Let's just send more hormones of cortisol, so the body can run fight because you need to. The brain perceives there is a danger. You need to basically you need to save yourself. Mm -hmm. So this is this is exactly this is exactly what happens. We just right away activate this neural circuits in our brain from the past. Okay. So in the in the case of my example, then if I continue to walk and once I see that the rope or the sticks, you know, did not represent a snake, a snake, then my body can settle down, and I yeah. could be, I could be okay. But what if a person then is in this heightened arousal state? fight or flight and they never settle down what are some of the things that could may happen to a person in that constant state of fight or flight? Oh, and that's where all the disease all mm. the autoimmune conditions because if you are if you are sympathetic so sympathetic and parasympathetic system sympathetic is fight or flight and parasympathetic is rest and digest so if they're out of balance then your body is out of homostatic state and if you continue doing it that you suppress your immune system. So all of these autoimmune conditions, I had three of them. There's all of these autoimmune conditions, cancers, it's been actually studied, has been done on that, that only 2% of disease are genetic and the rest is created by the environment. And what is the environment? Because if, the, if I'm going to talk a little bit about epigenetics, so the, the, the environment signals the genes. And then gene is giving instructions to the cell to produce the protein. But that's the environment that signals the gene. So is your environment toxic or is your environment coming from love and inspiration? And it's not like that you're never going to feel those emotions. See, the emotions are here to be felt because they carry the message. But it's understanding emotion is within 90 seconds, the emotion is going to be released from the bloodstream. And once this emotion is released, now you can invite this new emotion, elevated, ele elevated emotion of the heart. But if you suppress and repress them, you don't look at the messages what they try to tell you, that's when basically everything goes just haywire. Yeah. Emotion has to get out. Emotion is energy in motion. It's going to come out one way or the other. It's going to find. And then you react to people, then you make smack someone or <laughs> Right. Or you drink a bottle of wine, or everyone is just finding different yeah. coping mechanisms. So someone just overworking, someone just overeating and chocolate. That's all. The, that's all the suppressed and repressed mm -hmm. emotions. Wow, there are several questions that I have from what, what you've just shared. 
but I'm still like stunned because you said you gave a percentage of the number of diseases that may be related to gene. Was that 2%? Yeah, 2%. Yeah, wow. it's been true. Proven by neuroscience, super, mm -hmm. only 2% of disease are genetic. Mm -hmm. They're just, you know, you've been born with the condition. The mm -hmm. rest is literally product of the environment. Yeah. Well, that, that, you know, that statement has some good news in it because a person can actually make some changes, right, to improve their emotional health and their physical health since the genes are not determinative in every situation. That I think if people really understand that every time they um, repeat these toxic thoughts and emotions, that it affected their genes, if they understand that deep into their core, they would be more aware of what they are doing. Because sometimes people, they're just not even aware because they've been behaving this way for 40 years, that it's yeah. normal to them. They're not even consciously aware of what they are, what they are doing. And then, you know, like in today's society, okay, let's go and get a pill. Uh, I, I'm, now I have a lab, label, I'm depressed. So I'm just going to keep taking this pills. But the thing is with the pills, I mean, you're going to take it for depression and it's going to throw out some others, you know, part of your body. So then you end up with box of pills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm going to try this, this analogy and tell me if it, and, you know, I'm not going to be embarrassed if you say it's not a good analogy. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But let's say that, you know, a person has a scab or cut on their hand and they, you know, don't cover it, it's exposed and just keep scratching it and, you know, poking it and it, it never heals. So the problem isn't that healing doesn't want to happen, but the healing isn't happening because the wound is content, uh, continuously being agitated. Does that make sense to you? And does it apply to what you're sharing now? Yeah, that's exactly that. So that's our body has its ability to heal itself, but it's exactly like you say, I say it in a different, in a in kind of similar example. So for example, if you cut your finger and you, your finger is almost falling apart, obviously you're going to go and do something. You're just going to put like a plaster around it and you're going to pay attention that you're not going to do it next time because it hurts. And it's exactly the same with the emotions. Mm. So if you feel like not in your stomach or uh, butterflies in your stomach or not in your throat and you're just ignoring it and going and eating or working cleaning, it would be the same. If your finger is bleeding, it would be, you're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this is exactly the same with the emotions. And then those emotions, which are suppressed and repressed, like one psychologist said, that suppressed and repressed emotions, if you don't express them, they will cause other organs to weep. Mm -hmm. And this is what happened to me with three autoimmune conditions. I had three of them. I never mm -hmm. touched drugs and they're all gone. Okay. Wow. Wow. And I want to come back to, to your experience with some chronic conditions in a moment. But I want to stay with this notion of emotional health, mental health, and ask you from your practice and work with people all, all over the world, what would you say are some of the common sources of not only stress, but also distress? It's, yeah, the, the one is going to be, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not 
and lack of purpose but it's all again you know the lack of purpose like what is my purpose what i should be doing that like i know that i should be doing something more but uh, i can't i there, there is not enough money there is not enough time and it's got it's, it's just that's basically what it, what is what is causing what is causing all of that that's okay. from my experience like working with the clients that i'm working it's yeah. um yeah, lack of purpose is going to be the big one as well. But it's again, it's going again to the belief, you know, I'm not enough, you know, mm. I, I'm not worthy enough, like who I am to do that or who I am to say that. So there is yeah. someone has bigger, someone has better, bigger degree than I have. So how I can speak even to that person because they have bigger degree. So it's kind of, it's basically uh, embodying the belief that you are enough and that you are lovable and mm -hmm. that everything is available to you. And that's balancing perceptions balancing embracing both sides of life embracing who you are yeah yeah so would you say that anxiety and depression are major problems in health culture around the world or would you say that it's um, you know not so big of a problem i it's i mean it is obviously a big problem because everyone is labeled with anxiety and depression but if you look at the depression, depression is um, it's lack of purpose, mm -hmm. lack of connection. This is the main things that causing depression. Wow. So the, 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 it's simple, it's so simple, but not easy because we don't understand. And once we receive, if you go to the doctor and you surrender to what doctor say, so they say, okay, now you have a label, you are depressed. Here is the pill, the pill is going to heal you. Right. You surrender to it. You believe in it. You know, you believe that you are depressed, which is, is just it's just because lack of purpose has been proven. Actually, if you are not living purposeful life, if you you are not waking up and not going to do what you are doing with love and joy, uh, that causing depression because our soul always wants to grow. It's mm -hmm. seeking for more, and you are kind of basically telling it, no, you know, this yeah. is just I can't do more. I'm not worthy. So you disconnect. You're just trying harder. You completely disconnect from your true self, from your heart, and you're just trying harder and harder to get what you perceive that you are missing, which in uh -huh. reality is anything. Yeah. You know, I think I see it what you're saying. Sense. Yeah, I mean, I think I get it because if a person truly feels loved and appreciated and capable, in that moment, they probably aren't depressed, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, that, that's, that's exactly that. And see, like, the main needs that children need is love connection safety and being praised yeah and majority of people not going to get all of this needs fulfilled when they are children because they're it's not because their parents are bad but basically their parents didn't get their needs fulfilled because they didn't know how it, it's conscious it, it, it's awareness so their parents tried the best they could with their level of awareness but this is why it's just now such a big, a big yeah, yeah. like pandemic because we live in a modern world. But my our emotional mind is still somewhere, you know, even in cave age, uh -huh. and yeah. there is like this, this big gap. Yeah, now, I'm just wondering about all of this. It, it just makes me think about people acting out. You know, children at school. I mean, in my area, a, a kid was acting out and the way he was dealing with another person, a very violent way. On a job, people act out in other ways, name calling, those kinds of things. So acting out is probably a symptom of something, isn't it? It's not, yeah. yeah. 
it, it's exactly like you said. Yeah, it's a symptom. See, there's basically those those unpleasant emotions that we feel in our body and we ignore. They try to get us back to the present moment. So we pay attention because they tell us the message. And with children, it's like, so children from age of two to age of six, they are in theta brainwaves, mm -hmm. which are very slow brainwaves. Whatever you tell them, they don't have analytical minds and everything goes straight into their subconscious in their emotional mind. Mm -hmm. And then from age of six to 11, they move to alpha brainwaves, which are still very similar slow brainwaves. So then if this child doesn't feel connection, love, if maybe challenge just perceives, because you know, sometimes parents just are busy, you know, they have to go to work, they have to provide, and they come back home, they are angry, they don't have enough money, they complain, I'm going to pay the bill, I'm going to do that and that. And this child, everything goes from there. And yeah. now everyone just has a different way of dealing with it. So some children going to express their anger because they are not feeling love enough because if you love yourself if you're feeling right. enough you're not going to do that yeah yeah I, I get okay. that yeah yeah I, I can imagine that if you feel love that you're not going to walk up to someone and then just hurt them if you feel love yourself you but let me ask you this Julie just before I forget so we've been talking about you know stress and anxiety and depression so do guilt forgiveness and compassion figure in to those conditions we've been talking about, you know, stress, anxiety, depression. Do they figure in at all? And if so, share with us about that. They do fit. So it's basically like um, you can have the memory of your past, but without emotional attachment. So you keep the memory to tell a story and memory without emotion is a wisdom. So we keep the memory to tell the story, maybe to help someone, but you let go of that emotional baggage from uh, the past. Mm -hmm. That emotion, because it's psychological, it's, every psychologist says and neuroscientist that it's never about the events. I mean, you can have horrible events. You know, we had people like that have been abused and the horrible things were happening in their life but it's about the story that we create and then what happens basically because your brain is changing all the time so your brain now is not even the same that it was months ago so you basically lie to yourself because you rehearse that story over and over again it's not the same story because your brain already changed <laughs> but yeah. you are still keeping rehearsing those emotions yeah and so this is like it's not about the event and that's when you you have compassion you know you can you can develop compassion to people who hurt you because they are not aware of themselves. They, they don't love themselves. They never love themselves. They don't understand how to do that. So then obviously they couldn't even treat you differently. But then if you refine the belief, okay, I'm not a child anymore. I'm not my past. How do I want to be? How do I want to feel? What do I want to create an experience in my life? Yeah. And obviously no one wants to be stuck and depressed and sick. Yeah. So when you understand that, that you let go of the ego, you can say, because your ego is going to be, no, 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 you know, you need to prove something to someone. Yeah. There is nothing to prove. Yeah. You just connect to your true self to love and you just realize, you know, that you just want to live and experience life. Yeah. And that right. was just the journey yeah. that's just evolving, that's how we learn, that's how we evolve, that, that's life. That's that's amazing, you know. And speaking of telling a story, I mean, I, I get what you're saying because I think you said it's like 
you can tell a story in service of another and you can tell the same story and make it painful for yourself. And th there's a difference in the two, isn't there? There's a big difference because right. we, our mind is conditioned to take us all the time to what is familiar. So it always takes us like to play the victim. Oh, look what happened to you. And you know, how sad you are. And you just kind of, I've been doing that a lot because uh, like from my dad, I didn't experience any, so he was physically present, but it was no love, no connection, no safety, no, no um, praise, nothing from my dad. I received probably double from my mom, but nothing from my dad. And that created havoc in my life for 40 years. Mm -hmm. So, and this is how we just go back and we kind of feel sorry for ourselves. And there's no one to feel sorry about, you know, once you let it go, you are grateful. I'm grateful for everything that happened in my life because it got me to where I am now. Wow. And that, that, that's just, it's such a feeling of love that it's a school, you know, it's like understanding life is a school. So maybe you've been born to the family that wasn't very nice to you, but it was just a learning process for you to transcend your emotions and create the life that you want to create coming from the heart. That sounds like a wonderful armor to wear, to be grateful for all of your life experiences, as you put yeah. it, because they brought me to where I am now. Wow, that's very different. That's very different, you know. That's just yeah. a <laughs> and it's just understand yeah. that, that you can choose. Uh -huh. That, you know, I am choosing. I have a choice. Yeah. I don't need to stuck with my past. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever yeah. happens, doesn't matter, you know, what happened, happened. It's just like, yeah, yeah. people have, everyone has a story to tell. We yeah. all have stories to tell. Yeah, that's wonderful. And that's good news for people who are listening or watching, you know, uh, your past, just like your genes are not determinative or who you are today. So that's good news for sure. So I want to move on to, and I know they're all connected, as we said before, mind, body, and spirit, but I want to look at physical or body health for just, for just a moment. Now, earlier, I think you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you had healed your body. Is that right? Or did I? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you care to share with us just a snippet of that? You know. Oh yeah. Hmm? Yeah. So I had three autoimmune conditions. I had rheumatoid arthritis. Then I had iritis. I had also a Crohn disease. Well, I, I think I had a kind of, and it was just going worse and worse. And I like majority of people. I spend so much time, energy, and money on trying to fix my body from outside on diet, uh, vitamin supplements. And I mean, it just kept it kind of pain under control. So the pain wasn't getting worse, but every time something was, something else was coming, something else. And I was just like, got absolutely lost in it. And that's when I started to study. And that's when I cleared those emotional baggages. Mm. That's this emotion of, I had a lot of anger. I didn't know it. See, consciously, we don't know. Consciously, I thought I'm okay with my dad. I'm okay with everything that happened. But subconsciously, I yeah. didn't. And that's what we are not aware of. And once I cleaned that, then I looked at my kitchen and I actually found, why do I take this vitamins? They don't do anything to me. Yeah. And I just stopped taking everything because actually I never needed them. But it's yeah. how, again, you know, it's understanding the values and it's how we run out of money because we don't understand our values. We just yeah. spend money, we buy things because we think they're going to make us happy. <laughs> but it's not true. And it's just like going into this vicious Circle, you know, trying right. to heal our body, trying to feel, uh, make us feel better, complaining that we don't have money, complaining about that, which everything starts from opening the heart and understanding right. your emotions. Wow. 
Yeah, and I can imagine, uh, Julie, that a person could be carrying emotional baggage innocently. That is, they aren't aware that it's, a, you know, a baggage, and, and they're unaware that this baggage, this weight, is hurting their body. So I can imagine that's, that happening, yeah. That, 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 that's exactly that. Like, I'm going to share, so I had a lot of defensive behavior, and some people would tell me, why are you think that someone is attacking you? Someone is attacking you here, and I was just like, yeah whatever, because I didn't understand. And so when I started to study, uh, because my dad was expressing a lot of anger at me. So basically when I was little, seven, six, eight, I created a story in my mind that I need to be quiet, invisible, because otherwise I'm going to be hurt. And now if someone outside, you know, we are 20, 30, 40, and someone outside is going to trigger that emotion that you feel threatened, because they said something just unconsciously, it triggers in you that emotion and you start to straight away engage in this defensive behavior because this is what your subconscious mind is doing without you consciously realizing it. Yeah. So yeah. this is how we form our behaviors, basically. Overeating, yeah. it's exactly the same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that could happen very easily for sure. So, uh, so feeling that you're okay, feeling that you are okay is a job that a person can do for himself in my case, or, you know, or herself, and uh, it's an inside job. And if you can do that or find someone to help you do that, then the outside world may not affect you as much to produce, you know, a lot of conditions. Yes. Yeah. That, that, that's, exact, that's exactly that. And that's paying attention. So it's been aware of your bodily, emotional, um, by sensations, like, Awareness, so okay, so now I feel maybe there is a, you know, uh, like a heaviness in my chest, or maybe there is a knot in my throat, and that means, okay, now I feel that, so where do I perceive that I'm lacking something? Mm -hmm. You just sit with it, you just, you don't judge it, you just sit with it and you just ask the question, and within 90 seconds, you will receive the answer, and also that emotion is going to be released, so you don't need to go and eat a bar of chocolate, or, <laughs> <laughs> or take a bottle of wine, you know? You just sit with it. And now when that emotion is released, now you ask yourself, okay, so how do I want to feel about that situation yeah. now? And working like these people in leadership position, when they change sometimes, it works actually very often. When they change, for example, their thinking rehearsal about their boss and kind of, you know, oh, what he's going to do again today to me. Mm -hmm. So when they change that to feeling of compassion in an, in, and how I want him to respond to me, their response changes yeah. because people reflect to us back our behavior. So you don't need to change anyone. You just need to change yourself. That doesn't mean that you're going to love everyone, you know, yeah. that, that, but you just feel compassion and you feel that you are worthy, you yeah. are lovable. And then yeah. their behavior changes. That's, that's really awesome. So now I want to shift a little bit to the tools of your trade, some of the tools that you work with. The first thing that I want to start with is mind and brain science. I think that shows up in your profile. What, what, what's, what's that about, mind and brain science? Brain science. So you can use basic, you can use your conscious mind. You, you use your conscious mind to use your brain to override the molecules of emotions. So what I mean by that? Just a simple example, uh, you know, we all have choices that we don't like to do, for example, you know, so I do what I love to do, but there are still things like, you know, I have the cleaning and the washing and all these other things, and I'm going to say, oh, I have to do it. 
I have to do it, or I don't want to do it, but I have to do it. And as soon as you say, I have to do it, you put yourself into the slower vibrations and you mm -hmm. drag yourself and you drag your time, you do it longer. As soon as you can use your mind, and it doesn't matter if you love it or you don't love it, you just say, okay, I love to do it because I'm going to have a clean clothes after. You know, I love going shopping, even if there is a queue, doesn't matter because I'm going to have a healthy food. And what you will find, what I found on myself, that you will do it quicker in less time and you will have more time left. So that's basically how you use, that's a mind and brain science. It's basically this, a lot of things. And you're using your mind to say, you know, I choose to feel this way. I choose to do that. I choose to feel great about it. Yeah. I am lovable. That's basically how you use your mind. Now you're going to use the brain to create a different module of emotion. So your brain is going to release the chemicals of serotonin and yeah. uh, oxytocin, and it's going to start to override your central nervous system. Wow. So wow. it's not pretending, but it's like, it's not pretending. Some people might say, oh, it's pretending and everything is wrong. No, I had a client and so there was two clients. So one client was saying, oh, I can't cope with anything. You know, everything is horrible. Mm -hmm. Everything is horrible. I can't cope. My husband, I've got mess in the house. Kids are horrible. And then we just, we went to the beliefs and it was her mom used to do the same, you know, saying like, I can't cope. I can't cope. Life is, life is hard. So she got this belief from her mom. So she was repeating exactly the same. Yeah. And when she refrained it, not saying, you know, that everything is rosy, but yes, my children are challenging. Yeah. You know, my boss is challenging, but I have phenomenal coping skills. Wow. I can deal with that yeah. straight away when you say that word, you know, I'm pheno I have phenomenal coping skills, I have extraordinary coping skills. Mm. Then you activate this prefrontal cortex and you start to feel differently. That's why it's not about the event. I mean, your children still going to be challenging and, you know, your husband from time to time can be challenging, but you change your is the words you are using you are changing the emotional reaction in your body and then you act differently. And then I had another client and I suggested the same and she said she's not into mindset. Well, <laughs> you know. Mm. Yeah, I, I just had the thought as you were talking, um, I could see how certain things could become like generational in a family. But it also occurred to me that if one person breaks the chain, then that person's lineage could have a different experience of life, you know, because, yeah. because they've just broken the that's right, because every word we say, we don't realize, like some people are going to say horrible words to themselves. That's a cause of depression as well. It's self-critic, another cause of depression. And every word we say is causing neurological and biological reaction in your body without you probably even realizing that. Yeah. If you're going yeah. to say I'm stupid, then that's how your body is going to feel, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. based on face or whatever, you know, people call themselves sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's great. Um, I, I, I did so many things that occurred to me, like, you know, we have a smart body, body in a sense you mentioned earlier, but if you cut and it heals, we also have a smart, smart, emotional immune system. If you settle down a little bit, then your mind makes its adjustments. I just find this fascinating. But I want to continue on the, but, but with the tools of the trade. The second phrase I came across that, that made me pause. It's like, well, what is that? When I looked, when I looked you up. And that is zone of genius. What do yeah. you tell us about that zone of genius? So that's 
if you look at the cells, every cell has like um, family identity receptors that oh. differentiate one person from another. So there is no need to compare yourself with anyone, no need to compete with anyone because you have that zone of genius inside of you, it's already there. But again, you need to go to your beliefs, to your emotions and let that go to bring that zone of genius up to the surface. And it's not like, you know, we have in the today's word multitasking. Multitasking is actually a myth because if you multitask, you don't focus on anything. Right. So basically the zone of genius, it's kind of looking at it and saying, okay, so this thing is permanent. Uh, is it only me that I can do it or can I delegate it and give it to someone else so they will do it and then you basically end up only with the thing that you are great at because you more expand in your, your zone of genius and if you run a business your business will be run more smoothly because you are just doing things that you love and you're giving opportunity to the others to do what yeah. they love to do so you're not trying to control things yeah. you're just working in your zone of genius and that's basically, when you do that, you just will find that, you know, you have more time than yeah. even you, you need. So yeah, if you try I, to do everything, like people try to do everything and they just try to force and do, and that's when they run out of time. Like with yeah. leaders, especially in leadership positions, it's always the problem, I don't have time. Mm. I don't have time, I receive calls at 10 o'clock in the mo uh, at uh, 10 o'clock at night, you know, I don't have time. But that's when you, it goes back to the values because that's what your zone of genius is. What are your values? Wow. Because if you be with your values, congruent with your values, then you know how to set the boundary. Yeah, yeah. That's I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I love it because, wow, what I hear, and, and correct me if this is not exactly what you shared here, there's a lot, but one thing I heard was that you know, I can, someone can look at you and say, you know, I'm not like Julie Beret, you know, I'm not this neuro coach, that kind of thing, and overlook their own zone of genius that's within them. It's within them. Yeah, it's just yeah. a thought. Just because they have a thought, yeah. it's not, it's, it might not be true. Yeah. You know, where this thought, and again, there's a question. So where this thought is coming from? Who told you that? Yeah. I was at the neurochange practitioner, you know, three years ago. I was like everyone else. I was just stuck. <laughs> Uh, that's that's what that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Man, I could see that. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about children in school these days because I just know some of the things that can happen to children in school because they just don't know. No one tells them. But I could see how their consciousness could rise if they just knew that they had talent, just like everybody else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, that's right, and that's why you know, like the marks at school, they're just not it's not right because if they are stressed about something they might not even have a good marks and now there is a competition or oh, this one has that and i don't so i perceive already that they have something i don't have i feel separation and then it comes you know to the i'm not enough yeah. there is one world known therapist and she's actually teaching that I'm, I'm not enough and she was saying that when she introduced that to schools yeah that straight away result at schools yeah. and children just improved so right. and, and, and I guess you got to be so careful and a kid cannot, you know, cannot disciple all of this because the kid may have a teacher or teachers who feel that they're not enough. So they put it on the kid that you're yeah. not enough. But it's like a domino effect. Yeah. Oh, like there is one, one child. So mm. the parents had a problem with the child. So they, they had a new newborn baby and the six-year-old boy was always beating 
the little baby and they couldn't figure out why and they were scared that the boy is going to kill the baby. And they've seen psychologists, therapists and nothing was working. And then that little boy, actually, the boy was asked, so why, you know, you are doing, why you are beating the sister? And the boy said, because my parents told me when sister is going to be born, she's going to play with me. So see how children just create their story. So basically yeah. parents forgot to add when girl is going to be older. Yeah. So in his little mind, he just perceived that soon she's going to be born, she's going to play soccer with him. And now she's baby and she's not playing, so she's getting, and he's getting angry. Wow, yeah. That, and because so that wasn't, if it wasn't understood and spoken, that anger would build up. Like you would think it's a silly thing, mm -hmm. but that anger would build up. Mm -hmm. And now when he understood and was explained to him, okay, she's going to play with you, you know, we forgot to tell you when she's going to be older, he stopped beating his sister. He started wow. loving her. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, well, we've been talking about uh, mindfulness and awareness, you know, in a sense throughout this conversation, but that's one of your tools, the tools in, in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Can, you, can you tell us a little bit, you know, and I, I bring this up because... I'm happy today to see that there's some medical doctors who are incorporating mindfulness in their practice. That's so great. Yeah, me? I love these doctors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your take on mindfulness and awareness and the benefits of, the, of them? Ah, it's absolutely, uh, I mean, it, it, it's amazing. You feel light. You feel light and you feel that, that feeling, you know, that things are not going, not going your way that you're not alone, that you mm. have this power, higher power that is always with you. And that doesn't mean that you sit on the couch and do nothing, no, <laughs> to yeah. some people, you know, but it means that you just take action. You are not scared of rejection because you know, okay, you know, there's another one and another one. So you take like, like think about it like a baby. That's how I feel, you know, I take one step and if I fall, I don't say, you know, I'm not distant to walk because I fall today so many times and I, it was so painful. The baby just gets up and walks again. Yeah. yeah. And that's, if we, that's what mindfulness is. So if you wake up in the morning and instead of getting straight away on your phone and checking, you know, Instagram and Facebook, you start and thinking about how, what your boss is going to throw on you again, you, you just, this 10, 15 minutes, whatever you do, if you go for a walk or if you just do meditation, but you just, disconnect and just start to feel okay so what do i want to experience today so that's been present yeah because when you wake up there is no boss there is no you know maybe screaming kids they might be still asleep when you wake up early enough so there is no one it's just you and your heart yeah and that if you practice it it just comes with the practice because brain learns by experience and repetition that's how mm -hmm. you prove your synaptic connection so you need to practice Wow. There's a trick yeah, you need to practice. You don't do it once and twice and think everything will change. Like, <laughs> it's not right. a magic thing. <laughs> uh, that's beautiful because uh, what you're saying, you know, we can learn new skills. We can learn a better way. It may not be magic, but stick with it. You know, we can grow just like a baby learning to walk. I think that's awesome. Uh, you know, Julie, I've, I've asked you several questions already, but is there anything you care to share with us that I have not asked you to touch upon today. No, I think I think we talked about a lot, and I think the only thing, like, if people want to start to build 
in new neural circuits, new ways of feeling and being, it really starts in the morning. And that's what I work a lot with my clients in. When you start in the morning, you start to think straight away about all the things that are going to bad things are going to happen and what happened yesterday or two days ago, you expect them. So if you set this 10 minutes, 15 minutes in the morning, but do it every morning, it's a habit. Mm. If you create that habit, your brain, you will kind of, it's a, it's again, it's a comparison. So when you will start to see how you feel, you will want to do it more and more and more. Yeah. And just this connection, asking connection to coming from your heart, we all know in our heart what we want. Mm. And asking yourself, how do I want to be with my boss today? Not how I want my boss to be with me today, but how I want to be with my boss today. Wow. wow. Because that boss, you know, that boss, he probably going through the same thing as you are going, you know, he's got his insecurities and maybe he's going through divorce or whatever is going in your, his life. But it's not your business. Just think how you want to be with your boss. That's fantastic. I love it. Or your wife, the thing is, how do I want to be with my wife today? Not that she being angry at me yesterday because I left socks in the living room. (laughs) How do I want to be with her today? And this, that's why you change yourself and the world around you will change. Uh-huh. And that's just the practice, just the practice balancing the perceptions. It's not minimizing yourself. It's not about that. You still can say it's about practicing the emotional intelligence. So if you're feeling hurt, you say, okay, I'm hurt. You know, that hurt me. I feel hurt. I am hurt. That, that's, that's, that's fantastic. I, I love it. And this is why it just gratifies me to be able to talk with people like you. So uh, it's my it's my pleasure too. And the same when you go to bed, before you go to bed, ask yourself, so how did I do today? Without judgment, there's no judgment. Yeah. Just how did I do today and what can I do better tomorrow? Right. Where did I went out of track? You know, what are those triggers that triggered me again and I fall right. into the trap? Because okay. I mean if you're going to do meditation in the morning and then you're going to get up and for another you know 15 hours you're going to react and <laughs> there is yeah. no point to do meditation. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, you've been listening to or watching the Possibility Action Network podcast. Our guest today has been Julie Perez, a neuro change practitioner and a transformational coach. Coach. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton. Until next time, good day 